Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond and their biggest challenges during the first three phases of building their software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can trust your software as a service or mobile app to us, we'll give you first 30 days at no risk. We guarantee being on time and on budget, or we finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. We can spec out your project today. Today, I'm very excited to have Adam Hergenrother and Hallie Warner. Adam is, has created a near billion dollar empire and is author of The Founder and Force Multiplier. And Hallie is his superpower chief of staff. This helped him get where he is and co-author of the same book. Today, we're going to talk about how to find and hire the perfect executive assistant and how that hire becomes a force multiplier to propel your business by several multipliers. How are you today, guys? We're doing excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah. Great. On. Great. So excited. So, Adam, why don't you start by telling um, us about your companies? Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully at the end of this interview, people can uh, can realize that if that if, uh, if Hallie and I can do this, or particularly if I can do this, that they can as well, too. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, I started building businesses essentially when I was in college, uh, more on the real estate side. And then it kind of morphed its way into, you know, me starting to actually sell real estate, working, you know, 12, 15 hour days and, and then realizing a little bit of leverage along the way. And as I started realizing leverage, I realized what you could do when you added um, a multitude of talented people around you, kind of like what your company does as well. And uh, so it's it one, you know, success is sequential. It's not simultaneous. And so it's just, it was one business after the next. We have, you know, five main operating companies, maybe I don't know, 60 plus LLCs, but five main operating companies. Um, they're all centered around the kind of training, real estate development, construction. We have healthcare campuses that we own. Uh, we don't operate them, but we build them and, and lease them out or sell them. Um, multifamily, commercial. We have um, brokerage in, I think, 30 states now, um, which is in, in all the United States, which is pretty cool uh, and fun to build out there. We have a training arm. Um, which is Adam Hart of a training that does, we have full immersion programs, which is uh, uh, people from around the world come in for that for the year. Um, we've, Hallie and I wrote the book, Founder and Force Multiplier. We do have a, um, a foundation that we help support with kids and fitness because it's important for us as well too. And uh, Hallie, what else am I missing? I don't know. Um, podcast. That's right, yeah. We just launched at the end of last year. Um, okay, I think how's that going? You liking that? We, you liking right. the podcasting? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know it's it's been pretty interesting, and you probably found this. Um, you know, we launched it. I think we're in I think seventy or seventy five countries and performing in the in the 
in the top of all Apple podcasts, which is pretty cool. Um, but the real neat thing that it's done is it's helped build our organization with people because uh, as people want to learn more about organization, we always have job opportunities for people. Um, this is a great way to share our voice. Hallie and I both do the podcast, so it's, uh-huh. it's a great way to, to share you know, our voice, what we're working on. And it's called business meets spirituality because it's really important to me that um, as leaders, we understand as much about our inner world as we do about our outer world um, and how all of that works together. So you don't just end up with, you know, material success and, and, and don't have any fulfillment at the end. So we, we tackle a lot of those things, business and spiritual, um, we've kind of mix the two together. You know, a question I've always wrestled with in my life was I never really wanted to sit in a cave, um, nor did I want to actually achieve success without feeling this joy and, and high and, and things. So we've, we've got to, we tackle a lot of those questions on the podcast. Okay, great. So um, tell me about um, how life was bef- like when you first got started. Uh, you, you mentioned that you were working 15, 17 hour days. Um, bring me back to where that was. Are, are we talking sort of like 2008? Is that kind of or when two, you- Yeah, just- 2006 is when I started, okay. which by the way, was a great time to jump in the real estate. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, at, right at the top, huh? Yeah. Top yeah. of the bubble. Yeah. And for me, it was, that was, I had this mindset that work, you know, hard work and long hours was the only way to accomplish something. And while that certainly works, there's alternative approaches to that as well too. Um, But I was also at a time in my career, in my life where money meant a lot. Um, I needed money to be able to fund and hire people. Uh, And so I was willing to put in the time. I didn't have three kids now. I didn't have any kids at the time. And so I just, I literally buckled down, put my head down and, and went to work. I did though quickly realize that I wanted to add leverage in my life. I'm actually inherently lazy when it comes to anything that somebody else can do. Um, when it comes to like exercise or meditation or your kind of own personal growth, I'll, I'll take that and I'll, I'll hold the line on it. Um, however, when it comes to something else that somebody else can do, I've always naturally wanted to leverage that out there. Uh, even when I was growing up with either my mom, my brother or different things like that. Um, so I, when I got in the business, I started looking and saying, hey, I don't really want to do this part of this business. And I can say it a little more intelligently now, but I went and I hired, I don't know, four or five or six different EAs um, from 2006 to kind of 2010, if you will, before I met Hallie, um, you know, kind of working through that to try to find some leverage in my life uh, from that side of it. But it was, it was you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur and you're first starting out, you're wearing, as, as no surprise to anybody, you're wearing a tremendous amount of hats. Yeah. And, you know, what you realize, though, is that if you can find a way to get somebody to also wear a lot of hats that aren't necessarily your strength but are sharing the same vision or mission, particularly early on, then you can just concentrate on really where, what your strengths are or just what you're best at or what you really enjoy while kind of shifting that off. And I've just taken that approach my entire life, so now I end up with really not having a job. Um, out of the, you know, 400-plus people we have in our organization – it's, um, it, it's, I don't ever want a job. Um, I want to be able to show up and insert myself and, and work on where I needed and continue to set the vision. And that's, that's ultimately where Hallie lies as well too, is she's supporting me along that as well. Okay. So, um, when, when you were, uh, in 2008 and you were looking for Hallie, you already had an executive assistant. I didn't have, I don't know. Maybe I even call him an executive assistant. I think I probably just called him an assistant. I didn't really know what an EA necessarily was until I really met Hallie. Okay. Um, I, I, it was just more of just adding leverage, but I did have people in there, um, or particularly really early on. I mean, I borrowed eight grand to start my first business 
I spent 50, 50% of that money on training for myself. Uh -huh. And then once I started earning any type of income, I then reinvest that income back into people. Now it wasn't the right people at the time, but I just kept pursuing that. And that's what kind of, at some point you break that, you break over that hump and realize that if you hire the right people, it actually gives you what you're looking for. Okay. Cause I remember in the, in the book you mentioned, you found Hallie in, in uh, Craigslist, right? So, yes. so what, like what exactly were you looking for? Were you looking to replace um, your executive, your EA or whatever you call it, your PA, yeah. Uh, yeah. or were you looking for a COO or like d describe to me, like what you were looking for at the time and how you yeah. came about finding Hallie? It's a great question. So I, uh, I definitely didn't know what I, what I know now about hiring or about behavior or necessarily about people. I had um, an assistant in me. I don't know if Carrie was considered an EA at the time. I think she was actually my listing assistant. And what I was doing was I was transitioning my current assistant or the person providing the most leverage to me at the time into an actual EA role. And so that was the opportunity. So this individual in my life was moving to an EA role. And so we hired Hallie to actually come in as what's called like a listing assistant or a listing manager to help out with the brokerage side of real estate. And uh, so as that happened, she moved up into a role, got a pay raise, kind of moved up in there. And Hallie provided a leverage for her, for her to move up into our opportunity. But here's a really interesting thing. And I bet a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners or executives have found themselves in this place. About a month or so into this, I realized that, Hallie and Carrie are actually in the wrong positions. Like okay. actually Hallie was just stepping up. She was taking things. It was, it was a completely different type of, of talent that I haven't yet experienced. Right. And so um, once I started feeling that I actually invited them both into my office and I, I had no idea how this conversation was going to go. I hadn't talked to either of them um, beforehand. So I brought them both in and I said, Hey, I don't know how to say this, but so I'm just going to say it. I think you guys are in the wrong positions. Hallie, I think you need to be the EA. And Carrie, I think you need to go back to being uh, in this position. And I kind of paused. And they both kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, I think we agree. <laughs> and so then I was like, well, thank you. I'm glad that they both just didn't walk out, right? And, yeah, and yeah. do that. But I was willing to take that risk because um, I saw that it was there. And that's how, the, that's how the relationship ultimately ended up starting. Okay, and Hallie, what were you looking for at the time? Did you know that you kind of were looking for like a power entrepreneur or was Adam not even at that point yet in his career? Were you just looking for a job? I mean, describe to me, like if yeah. you can think back that far, what yeah. were you looking for, in, in, you know, like out of your professional career? What were you looking for then? Of course, I was just looking for a job at that at that point. I had just moved okay. to the area, and okay. so Fair I enough. always had an interest in real estate. So that's what initially attracted me to applying for the role um, okay. was because I I had I mean I had taken like a pre licensing course. I was thinking about getting my real estate license. Um, I've always you know just loved that industry. So I was like, okay, great. I'd been an EA before for about a year and a half. So I kind of knew what being an assistant felt like and looked like. So then I saw this job. I was like, this is the perfect job for me. I'll get in, I'll learn all about the industry. And then I'm going to go be a real estate. <coughs> I'm going to go be a real estate agent and go build this real estate empire as an agent. And then I very quickly um, realized as I was in there working with Adam and seeing what he did as an agent, but then also helping our other real estate agents, I realized I never wanted to do what they, they did. It was yeah. absolutely outside of my um, skill set and interest. And what I realized is that I loved um, the business side of what okay. Adam was doing. And so I just really kind of went all in on that. And then we just started, you know, kind of learning how to lead and grow together. Okay. Okay, great. So, um, 
Tell me now, Hallie, I think this is probably more appropriate for you. If you were going to go look for an executive assistant now, where, where would you go looking for this person? Like, and, and what sorts of skills are you looking for? And does it matter? Uh, in fact, let's just cut it off there. There's enough questions there. Can, um, where would you look for that person and what kind of skills do they need? Yeah, that is, that's, um, there's so many ways I can answer that question because it totally depends on who's asking it. Um, does the, what's the size of the organization? What is the, is it an entrepreneur? Is it a C-suite executive? Um, is it, uh, what's your like budget? Say, okay, let's say, okay, th- those are great questions. So um, if, if let's put ourselves into, we're, most of my listeners are like entrepreneurs. They're probably at like okay. a team of like sort of five to 20, um, okay, you know, and great. so, so um, that's probably like the, where, you know, like right now, for example, I'm looking and I don't know where to look. Um, okay, great. Well, I can, I can help you with that. There's so many EAs looking for awesome entrepreneurs right now. Um, so where, where I would, go, well, first of all, I would just do the, the basics, like get an ad out there, but make sure it's really, it's like a really great ad, not just here's the list of things I want you to do. Make sure you're really sharing the um, vision for your organization within your job ad. Um, make sure that you are explaining who you are and who your company is because that's going to attract the person who wants to who wants to get into business with you um, and, and put put things out there like put right in the ad like how are you how do you like to work um, do you work 10 15 20 hours you know 20 hours a week or do you work 80 hours a week you know put it out there um, and be really clear on who you are and that's going to at first attract well first of all it's going to eliminate a whole lot of people who have no interest and you know, kind of going all in and being that right hand. Um, but then it is going to attract people who are interested in what you're building and what you're doing and the vision that you have for your organization. Uh-huh. So at the very least, I'd start there and then get that out on all of the job boards. But then I would really go deep on um, in link- on LinkedIn and just and just start searching for, for executive assistants. And I, I mean, if, if it's a smaller team, I might look for somebody who is more on the emerging talent side rather than proven like a C-suite executive assistant is different, often different than who may have three other assistants also working for them mm-hmm. than an assistant who, um, you know, has worked at a startup before or has only been in the industry for three to five years. Um, that, that those are kind of places I would start. And there's a lot of um, executive assistant groups. So like I on would, LinkedIn I would, and Facebook, LinkedIn, so you Facebook, go in, okay. Yeah. So you just go and you would, li- hey, listen, I'm, I'm looking for an EA. And then you, yeah. that person may have a job and they'd be like, well, this, this sounds interesting. Maybe they would leave or they're like EAs in there that have no job. Yeah, but both. And I will say from my experience working with a lot of EAs um, around the world, one of the most common, I don't want to say complaints, but one of the most common challenges that I hear is the lack of leadership that in the in poor leaders that they're working with. So there's okay. a lot of amazing e- and highly skilled EAs who are, who are looking for a leader that um, will help them grow personally and professionally, somebody who cares about them just as much as they're going to, you know, care and invest into, in, into their, their executive and to their entrepreneur. Uh-huh. So I would, le- I would first make sure that you are the leader that's going to be attracting these higher level executive assistant. And I don't mean high level and like they've been doing it for 20 years. I mean, those driven, motivated EAs or enforced multipliers who want to go all in with an entrepreneur and help them achieve their vision. 
Okay. And what job boards do you like? Just quickly. I mean, are you, you going to like Craigslist and looking for local? Because most of these guys, I think, are remote, right? I'm, I have no problem working with an EA that's anywhere in the world, really. So yeah. if, if you can go remote, where do you look for remote ones? So if we, we personally would want them to be local. Um, we would like them to be in office. So we would not necessarily be looking for a remote. Okay. So member. you're going like to local papers and things like that. We, no, we do indeed. It's all online. Indeed. Um, okay. Last door. Um, I'm trying to think of what other ones. I mean, honestly, there, it's ZipRecruiter. It, we use a platform that syndicates out to like 300 different job boards. Okay. So okay. We're, we're, we're spreading it pretty wide and, and using social media as well. But um, there are some great um, um, EA staffing companies. So yeah. if you are looking for a remote hire, there's, um, there's Belay. There's, if you're looking for more of a chief of staff level, there's V chief or prime chief of staff. Um, I'm trying to think of another. There's delegated.com, which is another virtual assistant. It's not just a VA. It's actually virtual executive assistants. Okay. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of those types of services out there. And, and you're, so these, these aren't agencies that sort of where you pay the agency, you want a direct hire, right? Cause that way they can grow with you. They, I believe many of those do both. Okay. Okay. So you can have like a permanent dedicate. Cause I mean, I would imagine if someone's going to become part of your organization, you want direct control over there, not an intermediary yeah. or, um, yeah. And, and do you guys, how many people do you usually interview for like position to, to, to know that you have the right one? Are you, are you, I mean, like, what's the process for you guys? Are you trying to get like 50 or um, do you weed it out more? Or, like, what's the process for you? Well, I, I think it, it depends on what pool you're fishing from, right? I mean, if you're, you know, if you're fishing on like a, a very large job board, you may go through a ton of resumes, right? Before you can actually do it. Whereas if you're fishing from a, one of the things that, that we continually do and that Hallie does a very good job of in our organization is that she's always, always meeting with talent because we always have a people problem in our organization, meaning as we grow. Okay. So a lot of times we already have people on the bench that she's met with for two or three times over the last couple of years and they're following all of our stuff or our blog, our podcast or um, the book. Um, and so then we have a pretty in-depth hiring process. We call it the career visioning process and we, we teach about it, but it's basically – to in short, it starts off with a, an initial screening interview that we have a, a set of questions. If somebody is listening and would like some of those, they can certainly email us. We can share them with them what those look like. Um, we kind of go through there and really what we're looking for in that initial screening interview. Then we use a, um, a, a custom built integrated personality profile. It's called the KPA, similar to like um, – um, like the AVA, if you're familiar with that, it's much higher than like a disc or, or anything like that. It goes in much more into, um, in, in much more in depth than that. And that, then you go through that process with an individual for an hour to 90 minutes to really uncover and understand how they tick behavior. There's no right or wrong there. What you're doing though, is you're trying to match the behavior for an individual with the behavior of the position. Because when somebody matches behaviorally or they're aligned that way, when you go, they're not stretching every day and feeling exhausted. They're actually in alignment with it. And so that way, when in organizations, when you have to really press on the gas, if somebody's already stretched and you're asking somebody to press the gas, they're going to snap. Whereas if somebody's in alignment with it, an organization for 30 days has to reach a goal or a deadline, they're not, they can, they can, they can mend a little bit more. They can put a little bit more on the table to get it through. Um, so that's really important to be able to do for that and for the candidate. Then we go into what's called the life story. Um, which is you take like a, a, a graph or you have to do it zoom obviously recently and 
you kind of write down events that have happened in their life since high school and you go through there looking for patterns of how people act and how their behavior shows up. And you really just really dig real deep into the individual because we're really concerned with cultural culture by far trumps profit in our organization. It's close 51% yeah. culture, 49% profit. Uh-huh. So we take them. There's a couple other processes for that, but we, we start with the screening interview and how will, I mean, we'll probably for a position, probably maybe look at, 50, 60 resumes, and then maybe get it down to what, maybe 10 or so screening interviews. And then you ultimately end up taking about three to four through a KPA or maybe five through KPA. And then you'll take maybe two or three uh, through the rest of the process. So you always have a backup. Yeah. And I will say that over the years, we've started to, because of all the work that we've done with our podcast and making sure our vision is really clear and through social media and just making sure that we're getting our our brand message out there, um, we end up attracting a lot of candidates. So yes, while we're posting on job boards, I mean, one of the people we just most recently took pretty far through the process and he's probably not quite the right person. He just called me up out of, out of the blue and was like, I want to work for your company. What positions do you have? And I'm like, well, actually yesterday I just posted a job that might be perfect for you. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. um, so that happens more often than, than not. Like, again, I, I think three or four of the candidates I just interviewed for this position there, I, I I met them six months ago, um, for a different position that which wasn't the so right. There's thing. just sort of like cooling on on like a waiting list, sort of. You you've especially if they've already got you've got an assessment test on them. They're sort of okay. Oh, okay. When a position comes up, I really like this guy um, or yep. this girl. Um, yep. That's that's. It's good to hear, though, too, that it's not like I was thinking you were going to be, you know, interviewing 50 people like for one position. So if you're like three or four, that's not nearly as daunting for anyone listening. It's like, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. You know, even if you are weeding through 60 resumes, that doesn't take as long. I think the key thing that Hallie mentioned earlier, and this is worth reinforcing, is as a leader, you're very clear on where you're going with your company the majority of the time. I think you need to have that same level of clarity about who you're going to hire as the person next to you. A lot of individuals and founders and, and, force and, and executives that we've communicated with, they, they know they need somebody, but they don't really need, they don't really know what it is. And as, as you know, if you read our book, we talk a lot about understanding exactly what it is and who you really need to hire based on where the organization is and where it's going over the next couple of years. Once you're very crystal clear and kind of like, call it like a missing person report, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. that you have over here. Then when you're sifting through resumes or when you get on a Skype call or a Zoom call with somebody, you're already in line. You already know what you're looking for. So it makes it easier to go out there and find the candidate that you're looking for. There may be very strong candidates, but as Hallie said, a C-suite executive, maybe maybe not what you need in an entrepreneurial startup, right? You may need somebody who is was willing to kind of work the longer nights and, and be okay with messy, a lot more messiness in the beginning. So it's really, really important to understand how clear you are and then that you're being very, very communicative throughout the process about what it is of the expectations that this individual is going to be doing. In any hiring position, the mistake people make is that they kind of sell the job and they talk about the benefits but then when somebody gets in there, they forgot to mention like, oh, actually, here's 80% of your job and had nothing really to do with what we talked about. And people get yeah. in misalignment that way. Yeah. Um, so we, we tend to undersell. And my starting position when I'm hiring somebody is basically they need – most people go into an interview and they go, I want to like this person because it gets me out of pain the fastest. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. they go in there with wanting to like them. Oh, you like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. Let's talk yeah, about yeah. this. You like Iron Man's? I like Iron Man's, right? Whereas I try to go into every single meeting with, 
this person's not hired, they have to prove to me an abundance of proving to me that this person is, is, is the individual that we need to bring on to our team. And so that just, so that way you're not caught into liking them and finding what supports your liking. I'm trying to have them convince me as to why they need to be in our organization while I'm taking somebody through the entire process. Okay, and it's and also you want someone to be challenging you as well. You were saying, uh, so so you don't want someone that's just going to be sort of a, a you know a layover yes person as well either. You want someone to challenge you and be able to you know be your peer in terms of decisions that you make. Yeah, if you want a real force multiplier, I mean they're going to piss you off, and the reason why they piss you off is because when a force multiplier challenges your viewpoints or your thinking, people will say out loud that they like that. But the minute it actually happens in reality, they get frustrated about it or angry about it. When the, yeah. the point is, is that, look, if you have an idea and it's good, why wouldn't you be open to having somebody pick it apart? Because if it's a good idea and, and your team picks it apart and you're able to support it, the entire team is going to rally around that now. Yeah. And on the other side, if it's, a, if it's a really good idea in your head, but the team picks it apart and it's not a good idea, it just saved you a bunch of money. So either way, you yeah. win. yeah. So just true. being open to those radical conversations is crucial um, when you're when you're willing to hire a force multiplier, and that's what Hallie's talking about from the the talent side, from the executive of really being open to letting go of, of things they're holding on to, so that they can actually have somebody truly force multiply their life. And and how does um, how does the EA come into into play with with like a partnership? Um, you know, let's say you you have, you have partners and things like that. Where would the EA um, is there any conflicts in that or is it each part, you know, is it shared resource or are you mostly thinking that it's appropriate, like an EA is really appropriate for the single founder uh, startup or, or? I think it depends on where the organization's at. There is, there's several very EAs that at a high level that can handle and run three mid-level executives or executives based on what they're doing. Um, for me, that wouldn't work just because, and that's just me, um, but I think it depends on what, what role that EA is serving. If they're just doing calendar and meeting preps, I don't say just, that's a big job, but if, they're, if that's what their main focuses are, then they can probably service multiple executives doing that. And that happens in a lot of kind of traditional corporations, if you will. If you're an entrepreneur, it sounds like your, your audience more or less is, my guess is that you need somebody that's going to be solely directed to helping you in, in building your life and your, and your business together. Um, and that's going to be somebody that you just need by your side because you just need to run an idea about, uh, about through them or, you know, you have, Hey, I'm not really sure about this hire or this situation just showed up in business with this employee and I don't really know how to handle it. And you talk to somebody that's there. Um, so I think it really depends on where the organization's at, what the executive needs. Again, going back to being very, I mean, crystal clear on who it is that you're looking for to bring next to your life. You know, what's fascinating though is out of all the individuals in, in webinars and talks that Hal and I have, have given since the book came out, you know, it's, it's still shocking to see how many people um, don't really truly have that force multiplier in their life. Then when they get it, they reach back out to us and say, I can't, I can't thank you or uh, I didn't realize what I was missing until I actually brought this person into my life and then let go of some things of how much it freed me up to go do the things that I needed to do that was best for the organization, which then supported not only them too, but the entire community in the world. 
Yeah, that that's an important um, that's an important point as well because a lot of the people that I you know when I'm speaking they they always think they need a partner. So you have a single founder um, that thinks he needs a partner, and it sounds to me like you know I've been in some bad partnerships before, and and extricating yourself from those is is a very painful process. But whereas with with a, a full a force multiplier like you're talking about, you really can um, you can sort of you can get into that relationship sort of um, carefully, risk-free, and without giving equity, um, but then really, you know, get into and get a lot of the things that you want out of, be out of a partner. It's, um, is it sounds like it could be a better alternative, and do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I have partners in some of our organizations. Hallie has earned the right and she has equity in some of our organizations now, which, you know, in the beginning they don't need to, but after a period of time when they've earned the right, you can essentially reward them as a partner in your business. But I think the majority of people, why they start a business with a partner is because they need, they don't have the funds necessary to hire that level of talent to help support them. However, if you were just to look at it and say, okay, well, how much more would I need to raise um, or put aside in order to hire a force multiplier, which again, then would save you on the equity. So then you can give that later on to, to employees who actually have earned it um, is a great way to go. And, and I think that that can be a, a positive step for whether you raise money and have another partner that's doing a different job, or if you go hire a force multiplier, you still should have that person next to you. Um, it's just, if, if you are, truly setting out to go build a business, which a business is defined, you know, in my, my interpretation of, of an organization that survives, whether you're there or not, right? It's people that are building your organization. You're not the one building it every day, right? Then you're going to need somebody next to you working on one mission, one mission, one vision, and kind of one common goal, which is how Hallie and I approach everything. It's just, it's why we're doing this podcast together, which is why we do this interview together, right? It's just, it's, it's, we're, her and I are working on the same goal, it's just what part of the goal are, are we working on? Hallie handles pretty much 90% of it, and I do like 10. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. um, it's, it's really important to have that step. That's great. And um, in terms of like um, finding that person that is best aligned with the company, it sounds like you do a lot of that in the assessment, but how do you f at first attract that person that's really going to, rather than getting somebody that's just trying to maybe come in for a job and, and move on. Like how do you really get them to be aligned with the organization? One of the things when I said earlier, we shifted a couple years ago to really putting culture first, profit second. What I mean by culture is not ping pong tables and, and pizza parties on Friday. We are a culture of models and execution. Um, and so we look for people when we're hiring through, are people going to follow a model and they're going to execute on what they say they're going to execute on? Um, and that ends up being our culture is also about personal growth. We, we have a, a phrase, it's personal growth through business, right? Business is nothing but a conduit for this opportunity to grow personally, right? Which is okay. changing things. So we're looking for people right off the bat are, are you willing to grow personally throughout the business experience? Because as you know, <laughs> There's a lot of things that show up in the business that you wouldn't sign up for, like lawsuits and people leaving and all yeah, those types yeah. of things, right? Which gives you the opportunity to grow. So if people aren't willing to embrace that experience in life and business, we don't really necessarily want them on board because those things are going to show up regardless. Then we're looking for, are they willing to follow models that are set out? Models and then be creative around models. And then most importantly, are they willing to execute on what they say they're going to execute on? Because goals are ubiquitous, right? It's like Swedish fish at a three-year-old birthday party. They're everywhere. 
the really the new goal is are you willing to execute? Are you willing to do the activities that are aligned with interacting or alignment with actually getting that goal that you set out as a company or an individual? So those are the three things we're looking for. So as we go through a five to seven hour interviewing process, we're looking for those particular traits um, to be next to us in our organization. Okay. And what Allie, would you can add to that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the only thing I, yes, all of, all of those things. And the only thing I would add is that we use all of that language that Adam was just talking about in everything that we do pub, that's public facing. So we do use strong language in our job ads. We do use really direct language and communication and a lot of personal growth and leadership language and conversations in our blog and our podcast on our website and all the trainings that we do um, in the book that we wrote, like people who are applying to our company are not confused about who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really a big first step. It, it attracts about, it attracts people who are going to immediately be in line with what we're doing. And then mm -hmm. it totally turns a bunch of people off who are like, I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to work that much. I don't want to sit around and, and talk about leadership and business all the time. Um, you know, we need people who are aligned with that. And so we're just really brutally honest about who we are and about the way that we work. And, um, that attracts the people who want to be, who want to be a part of that. And do you find, do you find Hallie, do you find that most of the people that come there are actually wanting to stay with you and not move on? Or do they not even know at that point? So you're, you're, sounds like you're very clear. Like we are hiring you for the long term. We want you like, you know, you know, mm -hmm. basically 10 to 15 years or longer. Is that, that the type of employee or are you willing to take on someone that seems like, um, you know, they're a rising talent and, you know, you just want them to work with you guys? So, well, Adam, I know you want to answer this too, but I'm just going to give you a couple of quick stats, like on our, our from our real estate team, like we have a 95% retention rate. Like yeah. we're not losing a bunch of people on our leadership team across all organizations. I think the average tenure is like seven years. Uh -huh. um, so we have really, we have a lot of people who come into our, into our company and who stay with us and grow with us. And it's because of, I know Adam, this is probably what you wanted to say, what, what, what Adam has built, which is in, in the belief of our entire organization that Adam is committed to building a world large enough where whoever comes into that world can grow with us. There's a lot so of personal growth. Yeah. Well, and a lot of career and career opportunities and growth. I mean, we've had yeah. people come in as assistants like myself and now I'm chief of staff. We have other people who come in as, as other assistants and who are now um, COO or directors of our organization. So, and some of them, and some of them have kind of just taken on other, um, other, almost like other divisions or other projects because we're allowing them to grow within, uh, within the company and letting it expand as we all expand. Okay, that's good. Um, I want to make sure that that we cover the um, software that you guys are building since this is a software show. Can you tell me about um, the software that you're building and how you came up with the idea? Adam, like you want to tackle that? You got it. Well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the idea, but then Adam, I'll let you share what you feel comfortable sharing at the moment since we're in really early stages. Um, I, think the, I think the idea was how a lot of our ideas form. Sometimes I forget who actually, whose idea it was first, which I think is kind of cool, the cool part of this strategic partnership. Both yours? Yeah. Yeah. So I think Adam said, we need to start a SaaS company. And I said, okay, great. And then I came back and said, this is what I think it should be. And, and then he was like, yep, that's it. And then we kind of went from there. Great. Yes. So how far along are you guys? What can you tell me about it? 
Hi, welcome to the bullet points of what we're doing. You can you can share a little bit. Okay, something. yeah, I'm just like, are we sharing yet? I don't yeah, know. Okay. Um, so it is. <sighs> It's definitely in the early stages. We just started working um, on the development timeline with our with our developers uh-huh. in the past couple of months. But essentially, it's going to be a tool that is primarily for force multipliers and leaders to map, to track, and map their decision making process to long term help leaders and their force multipliers make stronger, more sound decision making decisions. Enough, Adam. <laughs> kind. Of. I mean, yeah, I, I can tell that you're trying to hold back a lot, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all, it's not all there because it's, 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 it's. Well, like, it's yeah, trust me, guys are not going to be able to do what you're doing. It sounds like yeah. it's very specialized for 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 what yeah. you what, what you guys specialize in. Yeah. Well, essentially, we found. Um, yeah, just funny to see you try to choose your words very carefully, Hallie. Um, we uh, essentially we found the niche. You know, after we wrote the book, people kept asking us the same question over and over and over again a lot. And, and, and one of the biggest challenges was, you know, entrepreneurs and executives have all these ideas. I don't know where this is tracking. I don't know where this project is. I don't know who's on this different thing. And so Hallie, you know, and, and her team over the last couple of years have looked for software to help us track all of these things. And as an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you get this, you have a lot of ideas and you yeah. make a lot of decisions. And some of your decisions turn out okay. Some of them turn out bad. Some of them turn out great. And so we started looking at this and, and formulated an entire platform that starts tracking with some AI attached to it, tracking in an entrepreneur's decision, uh, also logging and holding everything from one source platform that's going to be able to navigate and make the, the, the executive assistant or the force multiplier's life much easier and then bring them to provide data about decision-making ability to the executive when they're about to make one based on previous decisions that they've already made. Um, so it's, it's, we've kind of laid it all out in a, in a Disney form and we're excited to get working on it. Is there anything out there now? I mean, it sounds like obviously not, or you wouldn't be creating it, but what would be the closest sort of example? Is it like a, a task management board? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Most of them are just tasks and they hold things. We want this to be interactive and we also want it to track decision-making ability for people. Um, so that they, when they hear it and, and they're boiling it in there, as a as the big need for a force multiplier is to be able to help their executive. So we're trying to create a tool. We are creating a tool, a platform tool that's tracking all of this stuff in real time. That is really helping the force multiplier help the founder before they even know they need help. Um, and that's that's the designment of it. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, sorry. Can I add one thing? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's really far beyond a task manager and a, and a project management tool. In fact, we're not we're not trying to compete with the, either of those. Um, as a force multiplier, one of the and again from what we hear from all these EAs and and chiefs of staff, um, if I can understand how Adam thinks, that makes my job better. So what this tool is really designed to do is to understand his thinking, his thought process, or whoever the founder is, the founder's thinking and thought process and decision-making process, Mm -hmm. tracked over time as patterns emerge. We are all making better decisions and all leveling up our leadership on a consistent basis. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay, that makes sense. And um, and is there going to be training involved with it, or is it? It sounds like it could be standalone. Um, I mean, or do do they have to sort of follow your your workflows, or how would that work? I don't. I don't think so. We'll definitely have a lot um, have training around it. Not just training on the software, but a lot of the training that we do right now. We just launched our course um, actually two days ago. Our founder and force multiplier course, which is about 
um, leadership and communication between the founder and the force multiplier. So we'll continue to do those types of training. And then this is just a tool that like sort of for that, that community. Can facilitate. Yeah, yeah. Can help facilitate okay, those sense. conversations. Yeah. Um, and then um, we do have another book coming out in the founder and force multiplier series, probably in about another year as well that will help with this. Okay, great. Um, we're getting uh, end, the end, the end of our time that we've agreed upon. What can we tell our listeners about um, what you're doing? Obviously, buy the book um, on Amazon, Founder and the Force Multiplier, but how can they uh, find you guys and learn about more, more about what you're doing? And, and in particular, if they want to hire an executive EA, do you have like a really e a quick place for the, to point them on like a, bullet, you know, a blog post or something like that that they can go down through and be able to do that? Um, I don't know if we have a blog post that comes to mind. I think we've got a couple on that topic, but sure. um, you can either go to adamhergenrother.com and that kind of will branch you out to, to our, our book, to our courses, to our, to our podcast. That's really the hub. So that's a great place to start um, or go to founderenforcemultiplier.com if you want specific information just about um, the, the strategic partnership between a founder and a force multiplier. Okay, great. Um, and Adam, how about you? Any any uh, parting thoughts for our listeners before we go? I mean, I go back to uh, kind of what I said earlier, just with the minute you realize what you don't have um, and the minute you realize you can fill that gap with the force multiplier, your life becomes a lot, lot easier and more in aligned. So if you're thinking about it or if you're an entrepreneur with a small staff and you're thinking about going and hiring somebody else um, for another position because you think it's more important, just take some wisdom in that from a many, many people that have gone forward that hiring this person will actually give you the leverage to be able to go out and do a lot of the things that you're really, really good at. Uh, and once you find that relationship, that strategic partnership in there, um, you'll understand the leverage that you now have in your life, which is really important. And then it goes to just entrepreneurship, which is put your foot in the gas, put a couple nails through it and just, you know, get going, right? You may hit a few trees along the way, but people yeah, but, you yeah. know, you make enough money to pay for it. Yeah, that's great. Good, great advice. Thanks so much, guys, for your time and I enjoyed speaking with you both. Thank you for having us on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner. <laughs>